as the torciadores quietly rolled their cigars and the despalilladoras stripped the stems from the tobacco leaves. They were entertained, informed, and inspired by literature and the daily news. So began the tradition of El Lector, the reader. This is the El Lector podcast. Stories and cigars from the exiled South. strong personal convictions, I wish to stress that this podcast in no way endorses a belief in the occult. Michael Jackson. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Elector Podcast. Uh, (laughs) The special uh, Halloween horror movie festival uh, episode. That's what we're talking about tonight. Things that impacted us in a scary, scary way. (laughs) (laughs) That when we think about it, when we think about it, it comes back to our memory. That was very, very terrible. That was very terrible, yes. And and, um, and it's it's kind of... um, uh, something that we thought of, of doing just because uh, we're, we were talking about, man, the, we, the movies we love and some of the mo- great movie experiences we had. But it's October, and we're a little early, but you know our podcasts don't drop all that often. So we figured, okay, we may not do a Halloween one, one before yeah. Halloween, so this is the one. We're going to strike while the iron's lukewarm. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so my name is Marcos. Uh, this is, uh, you guys introduce yourselves. I'm Matt. Mateo. 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 <laughs> or no, wait, should we do it like the Simpsons when they would have the house, the treehouse of horrors? Like have a different, like James Hell Brooks. Yeah. <laughs> I guess mine could be, I would say Marquis de Sade, but that's pretty gross. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty bad. I'm the Matt Hatter. That's good. Victor the Impaler. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Was, was there actually a Victor the Impaler? I'm sure one of the one of the Draculas was named well, Victor. Well, there had to be like you know an under Impaler. And was um, Vlad. Like Vlad Victor, the Impaler. Vlad didn't impale everybody. He had to have some. Like, he had his you know, his brother Victor did as, the rest. As, yeah. Assistant to the Impaler. Off. Yes. Yeah. And I'm the Mark of the Beast. <laughs> it, was, it was. There you go. Oh, Mark of the Beast. Go. There. there. Uh, back to that the, explains it, a lot. It was Victor the uh, Splinter. <laughs> the other day, my four year old, just sitting on the couch, going six 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 six, and I don't remember who. Someone was like, "Is that normal?" <laughs> <laughs> yes, Damien. Damien, put the dog down, Damien. <laughs> so, anyway, to kind of uh, get it started, I was uh, I, I, one of the the writers and who who has influenced film, you know, in, in so many different ways. I mean, he, it, it's like movie after TV production just keeps coming out constantly is Stephen King. special release. Sorry, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, Stephen King. Uh, miniseries, uh, after-school specials, all kinds of stuff. Hey, kids, don't eat human flesh. He was nuts. The more there you is know. Nuts. <laughs> sorry. So um, there's a book that came out that he wrote back in the 80s, and I, I, I never actually got to read it, even though I think we all, we were talking about Stephen King, and how we, you've read Stephen King. Yeah, are you talking about Night Shift? Yeah, we've, well, no, I'm talking about Dance uh, Macabre, which oh. is a, a non-fiction, one of, I don't know if he wrote any other non-fiction, but this was the one that I remember, which is about the, about horror as a, as a genre. And he, and before we started recording, we were talking about 
what horror the, the kind of a distinction and I'll let Matt take over on this one between um, something that's uh, disturbing was that the word well yeah so I, I think and, a, and horror yeah well there's also like there's different uh, gradients of this genre right so you, there's like the slasher flick right and that's just like some maniac hacking up teenagers right um, then there's like jump scare Right? Which is like kind of like cheap. Thr- like, well, no, no, no. I mean, like, I, one of my all-time favorite jump scare scenes in any movie is from Jurassic Park. And I, I don't know why. It's like it's when they're crawling in the air vents, and the air vent vent like pops open and falls down, mm-hmm. and then a raptor jumps straight up at the. Oh yeah, like, and like that yeah. is like that is an awesome jump scare. Yeah. Like that is so good. Or or the the hand on Laura Dern's shoulder and she pulls. Yes. Oh, Sa- Samuel L. Jackson. Hold on to your butts. Hold on to your butts. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so I think there's like there's like slasher, there's like jump scare, there's like the thriller, where like you know there's a great actually a great great thriller movie with one of my all time favorite B actors, Rucker Hauer. Oh yeah, I loved Rucker. Called Howard, the Hitcher. Yeah. The Hitcher's fantastic. Yeah. I love that movie. But yeah. like that sounds like a slasher <laughs> flick, but it's really more of like the tension. Right. That, that's a tension thriller. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in Don, Dance, Dance Macabre, because he spells it D A N S E for the book. Well, that's, uh, that's he, how you spell it. He talks about uh, phobic, that's how you spell it. He talks about this this uh, thing called, what was it, phobic, um, phobic pressure point. points. Yeah. And, and what he says is this he says, is horror art. On this on this second level, the work of horror can be nothing else. It achieves the level of art simply because it is looking for something beyond art, something that predates art. It is looking for what I would call phobic pressure points. And he goes on. Such fears, which are often political, economic, and psychological rather than supernatural, give the best work of horror a pleasing allegorical feel, and it's the one sort of allegory that most filmmakers seem at home with. So I, I, I read that and I'm and I'm thinking, yeah, this this is why we wanted to talk today about films that scared us, right? Well, I'm that scared main... by the fact that Stephen King wants to touch my points. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's unsettling. And all these other writers. But to have that have uh, impacted us that may not actually be even horror. They could be horror. Um, but well, yeah. uh, and then you have to d- then we have to talk about what class what's classified as horror. Well, like, right? so like uh, part of what he's talking about is the distinction between like okay, you got your monsters, right? Like, and I love I love 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 the MGM like Dracula, Wolfman. Oh yeah, the creature from the Black Lagoon. Love all that stuff. Uh, but then there's the, the the horror movies where the 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 horror lies in the fact that there is no monster; it's a person. Right. Mm. The monster was inside us all along. There you go. Well, that's yeah. That's kind of the point that that Spielberg is making. So there, that Spielberg. Sorry, sorry, Whoa. Mr. King. That escalated uh, quickly. Stephen Steve, King was Steve making. He's gonna, he's gonna step out of the bushes <laughs> here and stab you. What the what? <laughs> <laughs> So there's <laughs> Mark's way. Mark's back into the bushes. <laughs> All I see is two orange dots. There's a um, there's a, 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 a truth to horror, which is it taps into something that is uh, deep inside of us that scares the hell out of us. And and for everybody, it's different. So what might be horror to me may be different to to Victor, the Impaler. 
Um, it was, you know, what, what, what's, he may not scare easy, but I don't know. I have to hear from Victor. What, what, what scares you? Uh, don't say carnies. My mortgage. <laughs> Tiny hands. <laughs> Your mortgage. Um, well, I, I feel like I, and maybe this is experience for, for a lot of people, like, I watched horror movies way before I should have, and part of that is because we stole cable. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I hope the statute of limitations is is done. Now. Comcast won't come after me, but yeah, we had we had free cable for you know. I think of, well, that was probably the least of your worries. <laughs> yeah, but wait, yeah. let me hear let me hear the. So, uh, so I, I, I saw a lot of you know they go in the wayback machine like Joe Bob Briggs. You know, is I think it was every Friday night. It was a, a th- I think it was on Cinemax. He would just kind of like present today's B movie or tonight's B movie of the week, usually horror movie slasher flicks, um, and just stuff that like I, I remember seeing Critters when I was like in elementary school. Critters oh, yeah. and oh. and Killer Clowns from Outer Space Ghoulies. and all all those really Dooley, right? schlocky, gory eighties yeah. movies. Yeah, that I think as an adult I watched it and I was like I can't believe I was scared of that, but as a kid. Just those images, like the, the killer clowns from outer space, just the look of them, you know, it was so terrifying as a kid, but I, I couldn't stop watching. The um, leprechaun for me was that imagery of like, uh, as an adult, it's like, that's absurd. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Warwick Davis has been much scarier in serious <laughs> roles. Wait, was he the leprechaun? Oh, almost positively. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm oh gonna look it goodness. up, and now uh, I'm afraid yeah, no, for being I, insensitive. But uh, insensitive, there's only one working little person. <laughs> Can you imagine Werner Herzog as the uh, hey. leprechaun? <laughs> it's Warwick Davis. Warwick Davis is the body, but Werner Herzog is the is the yeah. voiceover. What are you doing with my gold? I felt the need to decapitate him. Stay away. That was from the worst Werner Herzog. Warwick Davis starred in Leprechaun One. Leprechaun oh. 2, Leprechaun 3, Leprechaun 4 in space. Was it Leprechaun you know 5 what? back in the hood? Leprechaun in the hood. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, it, it, <laughs> and, then, and then in 2003, as recently as 2003, he started Leprechaun back to the hood. <laughs> back to the hood. Because they really hadn't mined the genre of the hood well, Irish. You know, so he was horror. both playing uh, Professor Flitwick in the Harry Potter movies. While doing the Leprechaun. Just in case that Harry Potter thing didn't pan out. Le- <laughs> you know, I, I, I sold Warwick Davis short. <laughs> oh, this is terrible. Oh, oh. Can I cut oh. that out? All right. We just got canceled. I've been watching a lot of Norm MacDonald. I have no filters now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyways, wa- watching, having that steady diet of just horrifying imagery and in a way where like that kind of stuff, I think as I grew into being a teenager and all that, that didn't really scare me. Or I remember, like when I saw The Exorcist, I was like, "Is that it? Is that, is that what it is?" Really? Yeah. 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 And it, it didn't hit me the way it did other folks. What, what age were you? If you do you recall when you saw The Exorcist? I can't tell. Maybe I was in college. Okay. But uh, there have been movies, like uh, you know, I'll tell you one from that, you know, late '80s, early '90s when I was definitely not old enough to watch these R-rated movies on Cinemax that stuck with me, and in a disturbing and scary way, partially because I could not find out what the movie was. Because this is like before the internet knew everything. Yeah, there was no info button on the TV. So like once they stopped playing it, it just didn't show again. So I just had to like ask people, hey, hey, (coughs) have you seen this movie where there's like, 
you know, aliens land in this kid's backyard, and then, like, some of the aliens look like these bipedal dinosaurs, but they have giant heads, and the kid has to put a penny in their head. And people would look at me and be like, sir, would you like fries with that? You know, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is an Arby's. This is a Wendy's. No, I would not go to an Arby's. But... <laughs> And then I, you know, with the internet, I was able to like just literally just type that into Google search engine and find millions of people who've asked the same question. And uh, that movie was called Invaders from Mars, which is a remake of a 1953 movie. It was remade in 1986 by Toby Hooper, famous for Texas oh, Chainsaw Massacre. I got Toby Hooper as one of my... And yeah. the creatures were developed by Stan Winston, who was like... If you watched yeah, anything the, the in the 80s and 90s, shop, yeah. yeah, he was the guy that made all that stuff, like the, the Terminator, Jurassic Park. He worked on everything. And that movie, just for the fact that it was impossible for me to unravel the mystery of actually what it was, is why it haunted me. Because mm. there was a, even that a time. The unknown. There was a time where I had to think, did I just imagine that? Was that actually a movie, or did I just imagine that? And I've been searching for a movie that doesn't exist. And it kind of like it followed me, haunted me in normal life because yeah. of that, until I could find out that it actually did exist. So now like the, the, the fear has left me from that movie. So it was the, it was the mystery of, of not being able to figure out what, what was going because on. Because it, yeah. it, it existed in this, like some people have these very, um, I don't know how to put it, like, Super liminal, that's not really a word, but very engraved in your mind. Like you had that moment, you clearly remember it, you talked to other people about this movie, and now it kind of like it's a shared experience. But for that movie with me, it was a subliminal thing where yeah. I didn't have anybody to share that experience with, and I didn't have a way of really clearly defining what it was. So it, almost in the vagueness of it, it, it stuck with me. And I would say the other movies I've seen that have really been creepy were creepy because they were really vague. Right, um, mm. and you know, off the top of my head, I can't remember the titles of them, but there's like a few Japanese and Korean horror movies where they're just incredibly vague with what they're trying to get across, and you know, it's not just a language barrier. They're like they're being very, like with, they withhold the jump scare. Yeah, and there's just something happening that you're not sure what's happening, and that kind of unresolved, unfinished nature of it actually is what creeps me out. The stuff that has a very obvious big monster scare. And oh, that's what was happening the whole time. You know, it was really the amusement park owner in a mask. You know, that that didn't stick with me. Yeah. And you pesky kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I so I have struggled with this I don't watch that, scary yeah. movies, and so I was really struggling to come up with what was the scariest movie I ever watched. And I feel like I just had like a uh, therapy moment where like a repressed memory got unlocked, and I want to say it before anybody else says it. And I'm pretty sure it was made for TV, so you didn't see it in the theaters. It. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. I didn't bathe. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. For days. Made for TV. Made for TV. You're talking about Stephen Curry. Yeah. Uh, No. Stephen Curry? Tim Curry. Tim Curry. Tim Curry. Curry. Tim Curry. Stephen Curry. Wait, wait, wait. Everyone be quiet. You're talking about Tim Curry. Wait, t- Tim Curry, the three-point shooter for the Golden State Warriors? Exactly. <laughs> no, the, the, the famed actor, Stephen Curry. Yeah, the Tim Curry it. Like, the new it do, like is gross and scary, but it's not. It doesn't. Like, I was a little kid when I watched that. Like, yeah. that scared the snot out of me. Well, I'll, I'm going to piggyback on this because mine is a movie also called It. Starring Tim Curry, <laughs> 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 and 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 I feel so 
outmatched in this conversation just because I didn't watch any scary movies. Like, it, it, it was like Saturday afternoons if somehow every like all the adults were sleeping or something. Like, I feel like I would make my little brother watch... You know, like we only had, we didn't even have cable. It was like the the UHF channels, like channel, right, channel right, fifty, yes. right. And you know, we grew up in the same Chicago TV market, so it was like channel fifty or channel twenty six or channel thirty two. Like it was those, the you know, like the they weren't showing even sports. They were showing like reruns of bad movies, basically. Well, so that was what I bonded with my dad over was the weekend UHF. Monster movie, not scary, but monster yeah. movie yeah. showcase, and it was hosted by this guy named Rich Coz or Coz K O Z, who dressed up. He looked like Slash from Guns N' Roses yes. before Slash was born. Yeah. He had long black hair, the the black eyes and the white paint, like the like the skull. Yeah, big black top hat, and he and he hosted the show from a coffin. Sounds like Papa Legba. But it was but it was funny. It was, yeah, it, was, was like it was silly. It was I, I remember it was this son also. of son of Svanguli was the name of the show. And I like, and he's still alive, and he's still doing it. Nice. No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on like Me TV now. He just doesn't need makeup. No. Yeah, but that's yeah. I, I'm with you about the 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 shower, right? Like that. Oh. Oh my! Like I don't. I didn't see the whole movie. Like that was enough for me to never want to see a scary movie again. To never want to bathe again. Like it, it was it, and it was just like that indelible image. Of that which is most terrifying, right? Well, like, and it plays into what Victor was saying because if you watch the whole movie, you had it's so poorly done as far as like what's actually happening because you didn't read the book, which was super complicated and, mm-hmm. and multidimensional. And turtles, and there's stuff. just a giant like spider <laughs> in the sewer, and you're like, no, 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 that's not it. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, they, they they shot him with earrings and a, and a slingshot. Yeah. Like, no, 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 this isn't okay. We're not. Like, it was the ending was so poorly done that I'm like, I have no peace. <laughs> You're <laughs> talking about the Tim Curry one, on, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah, it was yeah, a yeah. weird ending. Yeah, oh, man. yeah. I was like, it, oh, what the heck? It gave you did... no sense of no. Like, I'm not, not safe. Yeah. I'm not safe. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm gonna jump in with with another one of those like indelible scenes that comes from you know pretty pretty big movie. And I think a lot of people will share this one. But there's a scene towards the end of The Shining. And spoiler alert, this movie came out like 31 years ago. So We're way past the statute of limitations. 41 years ago? 45 years ago. Um, but there's a scene where, you know, all hell's breaking loose. Like it's all, you know, all the, all the tension is, has been building up. And now, you know, Jack Nicholson's raving mad about to hack up his family. And... Uh, I think it's Shelley Duvall's character is is running up the stairs, looks over into a hotel room, and there's a scene where it looks like there's a guy in a bear costume or a pig mm-hmm. costume or something, who is pleasing a gentleman in a you know in a tuxedo. No explanation at all, no setup to it. It's just a shot. They zoom in on it, and both of them look over at the camera, like they're looking at you, like that you've interrupted them. Yeah. And then it just it's moves like a Duran on. Duran from Duran there. Video. It just moves on from there. Looks like a what? Like a Duran Duran video. <laughs> <laughs> that weird look at the camera. And the, sorry. And I, I never read the book, uh, so I, I don't know if they went into it more in the book or if it's even in the book. That's a good reason not to read the book. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was Stanley That's Kubrick, chapters right? Eight through That's Kubrick. Stanley Kubrick. Yeah, yeah. So Kubrick, like, uh, what I, I haven't read this in Dance Macabre, but I uh, the the 
the story is that that King was completely yeah, like, King hated it. He hated it because Kubrick basically threw his his screen his own uh, uh, story away, screenplay yeah. away and just did his own thing. So so what was yeah. yours, Marcos? Well, mine was so my first one is kind of like Victor's. I I, I so it, it's it's creepy on on different levels because I, I so it was not, I remember my grandfather had passed away. So and and my parents didn't want me to go to the funeral because they didn't want me to see you know the coffin. They didn't want you to be scared. Yeah, go on. Go on. I was so I was nine years old. So obviously you know they were they were just kind of you know freaked out with it. So they sent me to my. They had me stay at my my uncle my my uncle. Well, sorry, Yoli and. Rogelito, um, my cousin's house. Okay, uh, they would be. I'm not your uncle and aunt. But you're you're older than me, so you, anybody who's older than me. <laughs> Fair so enough. So I, I stayed at their house, and they said you'll 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 be you'll be fine here. <laughs> wow, so, that's a that's a horror um, movie trope yeah. right there. <clears throat> so I'm I'm at their house. A, you're in a horror movie yeah. right now. I'm, and this is kind of, and this is this is in Miami, and I'm and I I'm at their house, and and uh, and they and my uh, Yoli Yolanda says. Well, just you know, you can watch something on TV because I was up. I was I was more upset not being with my family during that time that, that you know I felt like I yeah, needed to yeah. be there. So I put on the TV, and there is to- Toby Hooper's Salem's Lot. Oh, okay. Now, and and I maintain that for me. Wait, I'm sorry. Is that the David Soul 1979? The David Soul 1979, 1979. Okay. film. Oh, it's miniseries that. Jacked me up, but in a good way. <laughs> in a good way, in the sense that so so there's one there's one character who's the boy. I, I don't remember. This is I read the book later on. So uh, this actor from that period, who was a young man at the time, Lance Kerwin plays Mark uh, Petri, Pete Petri. He's a he's an adolescent kid, and his friend. His best friend has has been killed by the the vampire Barlow. You don't know his name yet, Barlow, but that's his name. Right. And and there's a funeral. There's a there's a bar- there's a wake at the cemetery, and then you see this kid. Thank you, Mark. You see this kid. Mark has been discreetly trying not to finish off <laughs> yeah, the yeah. bourbon, and then just gave <laughs> just up. No one else reached for it, you know. So he he's they, they the the kid comes back from the dead. Uh, somebody opens the coffin after after it's been buried. The kid comes back, so it's a kid vampire, okay. And, in, and when you're nine years old and you see a kid vampire, no, that that's messes, messed up. Yeah, up yeah. until that point, I had only seen Bella Lugosi and uh, I've been in Costello me Frankenstein, you know. So I was like, ah, it's Bella Lugosi, you know. But no, this was another vampire. So a kid vampire. So then the kid goes to Mark Petrie's house, which is a classic scene, and ev- all my friends who saw it back then, who are now my age we all had the same experience when we saw it it terrified us mark petri's uh, is a uh, is a kid who's into horror films the old monster films the werewolf the mummy and he has in his room he's built models of uh he has these models and his parents are wondering why are you into this stuff what why does this yeah, fascinate yeah. you and he just keeps he's he's just into it so he's he has you know boris karloff posters on the wall bella lugosi everybody and it's it's the it's dark it's night and a fog comes out on his window and his friend I know this comes to the window his best friend second story pale second, second story, story window, window floating and is scratching at the door at the window with his knuckles in a weird way you know like kind of going like this and say hey mark 
let me in. Let me in. I mean, think about that story, the, the famous one that came out later, let me let in. Me in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, the vampire has to be invited into the house to, yeah. to be able to gain access to you. So he's, 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 he's just click, he's clicking at the window with his knuckles. And Mark has a cemetery scene on, his, on a table in his room, and he's got tombstones, and it's a cross. That's one of the tombstones. And he breaks it off because he knows that his, this guy's a vampire. He knows he, the Lord. He knows yeah. the Lord. Yeah, yeah. And he opens the window, and he holds, and he holds. Uh, I don't know if I remember if he opens the window or not, but he holds the cross up, and the guy goes back into the fog. Very cheesy, very. It terrified. I didn't sleep that night. Yeah. Then the next day, I had begged so much to go see, go to the funeral. They let me go, and I'm like, no, wait, you know what? I changed my mind. I'm not sure if I want to be here. <laughs> and I went. Since you brought up Bella Lugosi, can I tell you my one Bella Lugosi fact? Sure. The famous Please. Dracula, right? The, I want to suck your blood. Like that that cadence it happened because Bela Lugosi didn't speak English. And his script was written phonetically. So he memorized his lines. Like you, when you look up a dictionary. Yeah, where was see, he from? He was from. Uh, uh, I think he was. He might have. Transylvania. Yeah, I think he was. I think that's where he was from. <laughs> yeah. Ob- oh, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was my my uh, uh, first, and, and actually, and I, and I I I appreciate that experience because um, I was like, man, this kid is into horror, and it and served him well. And yeah, it served him well, <laughs> and it's actually it it's actually cool. And to, and the vampire Barlow in that film, oh my gosh, Do, Toby Toby Hooper, he outdid himself. He did Poltergeist later I've for for Spielberg. And uh, which is fantastic, but that one, that that movie, and the way, and for made for TV, it was horrifying. Barlow was, I mean, I always post that picture on on Halloween on Facebook. I was making my profile because he's disgustingly. I mean, now it's not a big deal, but right, it's a right. Nosferatu like yeah. vampire, right? But in in full pale nasty color, <laughs> you know, it was it was great. So we all kind of described childhood kind of scary movies what was like the next stage of the rocket for you well like more of like an adult for me like so i started i got to, to college and i started kind of studying film like i took all the film classes i could and i remember having to watch a clockwork orange and the exorcist in one one class and both of those movies like i, I don't consider my upbringing particularly sheltered although i did only listen to dc talk until i guess college so maybe <laughs> in some ways and, and just for the record they didn't have that extensive of a catalog <laughs> <laughs> listen jesus freak is a phenomenal album i agree i, ride, I agree write that one till i die it's a, that album it's a phenomenal so album in the singular anyway but so that's why I asked about when you saw The Exorcist because I saw it for the first time in, in college and I I wasn't scared of it like I was aware of the you know cheesy kind of like you know that's pea soup or whatever yeah. right like it, it's not uh, viscerally you know terrifying or something but I 
distinctly remember, you know, this was in, in Muncie, Indiana. It's at the time of year when it's getting dark at like 5 p.m. The time of year when the demons come out. Exactly. <laughs> you know, in Indiana. <laughs> as, as one does. <laughs> and, and I remember leaving that class and having to walk across campus. And it's not like I was spooked out or something. But I had this like sense of just... I don't I don't know how I would describe it. It wasn't I wasn't scared, but I just felt almost like depressed. Hmm. And it was just this sense of darkness, if that makes sense. It it was just like this I did not like the way that movie made me feel. And that's kind of when I realized that I'm not into horror movies, I'm not into scary stuff. Like it's just not my cup of tea. Like they say that um people who like horror movies, it's kind of the same um part of the brain or whatever that like people who like spicy food which i like spicy food where it's like you kind of like you're addicted to like it's not the pain but it's like the like the pleasure that comes from yeah exactly and i think that for me like psychologically i can't do that like physically sure with with hot food great but it's just it's not for me like there's been a handful of of scary movies as an adult or as a you know college student like i remember stir of echoes i really liked that movie i think it's a kevin bacon Bacon, yeah you know what's weird i i feel like as i've gotten older i'm more scared of newer movies like the movies already know what happens whatever but it's almost like you know i went to the youth fair four or five years ago with uh with my my students and I, that's the last time I will ever ride any of those rides. It had, it <laughs> yes. had been like a good yes. break between yes. the last time I had been there and that time. I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. Listen, ra- listen, the right. reason why is because of a movie called Monster Squad. That's a great movie. There's a little part it's of us scary, that thinks but. when we're 12 that we could take Wolfman if we kick him in the nard. <laughs> yeah. And as we get older, we realize we're screwed. <laughs> we're old. We're feeble. Yeah. We can't do anything. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you, Victor. I, I don't. I, I, I don't really watch horror films a- anymore. And I think one of the reasons was my my other... The, the one film that, as an adult, scared me. And it made me think about, like, the genre. You're calling... I was calling bullshit. You send me a horror movie, like, every four minutes. <laughs> well, let me tell you. <laughs> well, have you no, seen no, no, this? No. Oh, have you seen this? And it's, no, another, no, no, no. and it's another service we have to subscribe to to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, let me explain that. I'm going to get to that. So... So when when I when as an adult I saw Scorsese's Cape Fear, I wasn't expecting to be terrified. I was I was scared out of my wits. Robert De Niro's character in that film, he he it, it was like when is this going to end? I'm being assaulted hmm. because he yeah. was unstoppable. Yes. He just kept coming and coming, and it was and he was terrifying, and he was equating himself to God. And and you and you almost ended up saying, "Is this true?" Yeah. Because he can't be stopped. Mm. And it was and and ever since then, and I think after that, I tried to watch Silence of the Lambs because my mom wanted to watch it because she was into mystery and stuff like that. And I was like, "Okay, I can't, I can't finish this." So as I've gotten older, I just can't watch those films. The caveat of what you're not, uh, <laughs> calling bullshit on, uh, on me for for I still like supernatural horror. I think supernatural horror is is interesting to me. It's it's uh, it's I, and I love a, a well told story, but the the human element yeah. with, with of just that evil yes. natured person, that person with no no nothing stopping him, nothing nothing blocking that part of his brain that tells him, hey, this is wrong. You can't do this. That scares the hell out of me. I'm with you 100. Yeah. percent That's why I, I don't like slasher films. And, yeah. and so I mentioned the movie that I think I. 
I recognize it as you know many would call it kind of a I don't know if I would use a masterpiece, but it's it's certainly heralded is a Clockwork Orange, and that that is one of the only movies that I've seen and I appreciate it and I plan to never see again. Yeah, it's because horrible. it's so yeah. disturbing, and it's not even like graphic per se. It's not graphic the way. Mm-hmm. I think modern movies like that are graphic, but it's it's just so unsettling. And because it's humans, it's not it's not a demon. It's not you know right you know right. the Langoliers or well, it's not it, it, you know yeah. the Outsider or something like that. Like yeah, and it's like I think part of to piggyback on what you're saying and what you're saying, Victor, is like all of us have been touched by horror in real life. Yeah, we've seen what we can do to each other. Some of us have had to clean up the messes. And when it's human depravity, it's not fictional. Right. Right? Like, it's not, it's yeah. not abstract. It's not. But my, um, having said all that, the scariest movie that I think I enjoyed as an adult, and I still kind of love this series and enjoyed it, um, I don't remember the context in which I saw it. I don't think it was in the theater. I'm pretty sure, was, I watched, uh, pretty sure I saw it at home. Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. Oh man, it's horrifying. <laughs> what? It's horrifying. Oh, but it's so good. I mean, like it's like it, Anthony Hopkins is out of control. So good as an actor in that, and the um, like. Why do you like? You kind of like him. Yeah, it's interesting. You're kind of sympathetic toward him because he's almost supernatural, right? Yes. Like, but, yes. And I think what makes Silence of the Lambs because I I also love that movie, and. And I also saw it as an older, like I think I was probably in high school or maybe college, and I, I won't forget watching it. I was, I had to stand. I couldn't sit and watch it. It was late at night. I was the only one awake in my house. That kind of thing. And um, I think that because the climax of that movie is not about the, like, it's not about Anthony Hopkins' character. It's not about that it's type about of evil. It's about it's about that suspenseful scene with Buffalo Bill. Yes, that yes. scene is was makes she, that movie she, so good. Would you agree, Big Fair? Like person. when it flips to yeah, this <laughs> 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 picture has at a bachelor party a year or two ago, and and that song got played. The <laughs> and and the yeah, we had a a, a great. Conversation about Buffalo Bill impressions. Yeah. <laughs> but, um. and I, one of the things I like about that yeah. movie is it's not because there's an appeal to the, some of those movies about the pursuit of the monster or the pursuit of the villain, and it's really not about that. The 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 tension in the movie, which is abstract and concrete, is will. Starling survive yeah. not just not just the encounter with Buffalo like will she survive her trauma will she cut it in the man's yeah uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for in the FBI like in the in the male mm-hmm. dominant male dominated the male yeah. dominated field like so she's got trauma will she survive in this male dominated field and then there's like will she survive this encounter yeah and it really is will the heroine prevail but it's not about catching right Dr. Lecter Right, mm. who who become who goes on to become because because he's monstrous in that movie. Like you think about that scene when oh you're talking about the cage scene. Yes, oh. that, that's terrifying. But that's that is a tangential plot to the movie. Like you know what I mean? Well, like that, I think that's a reminder. I think that is, I think that was done exactly at the right moment, so you don't forget. Yeah, because you because because you started to warm up to him. A no, bit. they're pulling you in. They're pulling, yeah. and, and that's what his character does. Yes. So the movie 
brilliantly does what Dr. Lecter does. Yeah. Right? It, it cinematically draws you to him as he would draw in his victims. And then there's the horrifying, but we don't get, we, we see it, but we don't, we don't fall prey to it. You yeah. know what I mean? But yeah, I think that's so good. So I have a, maybe a prescription for you regarding Cape Fear, which is I have not seen the movie Cape Fear, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm aware of the story because of a great retelling of Cape Fear from Treehouse of Horror, from The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> and that's also I like Cape Fear and The Shining. That Both of those, you. I learned about the plots of those movies from The Simpsons, right? Like, you know, all, what is it, no... What's the makes Homer something something? I forget how he rephrases yeah, yeah. it. No beer, no cable, make no, Homer. Yeah, go make Homer. <laughs> don't mind if I do. Yeah. And, but, but so that's the shinning, right? The you don't want to get sued. <laughs> but then Cape Fear with an E at the end of Fear. Yeah. And it's Sideshow Bob. Also terrifying, right? Like he hangs under the car. And I understand all of this is from the movie Cape Fear. But it's just fantastic because they drive through like a field of cactuses. Yeah. And, and, you know, then he gets out from under the car and somehow they're in a yard full of rakes and he steps on one, steps in the face, steps on the next one, slap. It's just the funniest scene. I think what Mark is saying is that if you watch this, it will exercise the demon. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. And, you know, part of that when you're talking about how sheltered you were, I keep thinking about the the converse of that how unsheltered I was, and the the my father handing me like a you know, he knew I wanted to be a police officer, so he would show me things. He's like, "What's wrong with this picture, Matt?" And it's black and white, eight by ten, glossy, of a woman whose head's not attached. Jeez. And I was like, "The fact that the woman's head's not attached." He's like, "No, look, her legs are crossed. That means that the body was moved. You don't ever fall." Wow. Yeah, but her head is off. I'm like, her head is not <laughs> attached to her body. He's like, yeah, yeah, she's dead, but the body's been moved, Matt. And I was like, okay, I'm got it. Follow right now. I would like to redo my scariest <laughs> moment of my life. It was learning about Matt's childhood. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> so, so King in his book Dance Macabre, he says this. He ta- he says we take refuge in make believe terrors so the real ones don't overwhelm us. Uh, freezing us in place and making it impossible for us to function in our day-to-day lives. We well, go that's that's sorry, but that's C.S. Lewis, right? Go ahead. Well, I don't remember the quote, but what's we we tell children about? It's like we tell children about monsters, not so they'll be scared of monsters, so they'll know they can defeat. They them. can be defeated. Yeah. 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 We go into the darkness of a movie theater, hoping to dream badly because the world of our normal lives looks ever so much better when the bad dream ends. That's why. For those of you listening, Marcos <laughs> just made a really great face at me. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Well, you know, I, th- I think it's just what, what, we're, what you guys, what we've been talking about here, just having that that we we do not we feel so uncomfortable with the the our, our reality that going into into see a movie like this for some now I disagree with him on part of this because then he goes on to talk about slasher films. I don't find any comfort in watching slasher no, no, films. No, no, but I do. Th- I think so. Again, working with students for so for me long. It worked, sorry, for me it works on the level of sci-fi or, or fantasy. Well, well I think the well. attraction to the slash, like from my younger friends over the years, what I've learned from them is they just like the, the feeling. Like the, they like the fear. It's like the heat that you're talking yeah. about from the wings. Like they, it's the, the rush. Yeah. Not, it's not on a deep context level. It's just, you know, it's, it's like the movie version of cutting. Is that terrible? Yeah. I just, yeah, but it's like, I just want to feel something. This is visceral. 
let me go feel it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but and, and may not even think about like again like that kind of protected child mind where you're not firing on all five anyways. You know, adolescent brain. Yeah. Um, I think that's a level, right? So like, oh, yeah. like, like my favorite joke is like, I love the movie RoboCop because RoboCop was written basically for 14 year old boys. <laughs> That's the level, intellectual level that RoboCop operates on. And I was a 14-year-old boy when I saw it. Yeah, I yeah. was like, yes, this is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. But if you got if you have movies like like the ones that impacted me, like I, I mentioned earlier, Poltergeist, uh, which which was just a, an incredibly fun ghost story. But again, the horror element is... It's this your house home. is clean. That's right. Sorry. The, uh, the horror element is, is the... This is your home, and it's and it's in suburbia. You know, yeah. it's, it's right. in the middle of a. Of, it's a. New, it's not even an old house. It's a brand new development. And it's there, a there are, there's super, barely any trees. It's also the smallest Indian burial ground in history, except for <laughs> one tree that's right outside the sun's window, and it attacks him at night and comes through the window. And then there's I the, still hate trees because of that. And then there's the clown. <laughs> he cuts him down any chance he gets. And then there's the damn clown. Doll that grabs yeah. uh, uh, oh. the the girl. I forgot her, her see, name. See. Um, and, and, and or actually grabs the son by the throat. The kid gets attacked. All the boy gets attacked all the time. So I'm like, that's gonna be me. It's <laughs> <laughs> gonna be my sisters. It's gonna be me. What I learned from Poltergeist: the chicks are gonna be all right. <laughs> I'm toast. Except she gets sucked into the the the, the other TV. universe yeah. the, into the TV and yeah. And then there's Poltergeist too. Which had the electric boogaloo. Electric boogaloo. <laughs> That's a good one, Matt. <laughs> Poltergeist Two had that creepy pastor. Did you guys see that one? No, no. you didn't, because you yeah, don't watch yeah, yeah, movies. yeah. The, the guy. He looks like he looks like uh, he looks like one of the phases of deterioration from Last Crusade when the Nazi <laughs> drinks out of the wrong cup and his face like he he ages a million years. Yeah, yeah. His amazing. name is was Julian Beck, and he played this. A pastor call of a cult called Cain who had died, yes, yes, and he's coming back for his flock, or something like that. And it was it wasn't a well written story, but it yeah that dude he's he looked like right out of Rocky Horror Picture Show. Um, I think he was in Rocky Horror Picture Show actually. I think you're thinking oh, of the Steph Curry's in there. Steph Curry. That's right, Steph Curry's Man. in that one. Yeah. It was scary, Steph and it's Curry, amazing. Effect also did the monologue for Thriller for Michael Jackson. What, what amazes me is not only how good Steph Curry is in it, is that his ability to rebound is just out of control. He's, he's just a man for all seasons. <laughs> Uh, I've become it's it's like uh, you know that thing whatever doesn't kill makes you stronger that's complete BS no you just, you get weaker and weaker and <laughs> like the fact wow. that I can't ride those carnival rides anymore my my body's not made for it there's certain movies because of kind of where I am in life that like anything to do with kids yeah anything where kids are in oh. danger anyway like. Pet Cemetery. I can never watch that movie oh like, yeah I saw it when I was a kid and it's, it creeped me out but that now I'm, I'm just not gonna watch yeah. it yeah but there, there's a movie that came out a few years ago. This is a newer movie, and um, forgot the name of the director. I, I, I feel like I'm committing a crime here. But he's made two movies recently: Hereditary and Midsummer. Um, he's like the new it guy, you know, for not it the movie, but the new it director for horror movies. But in the movie Hereditary, there's, I mean, the the plot of it kind of it goes supernatural at some point, but. The creepiest scene in the movie, and uh, you know, if you haven't seen it already, pause now, go see it, or just don't watch it. It in- involves 
the very unfortunate and accidental horrifying death of like a 12 year old really yes oh my god yes and and in a way that it's not just gratuitous like hey what would it look like if we did this to a 12 year old but in a way that a character in a movie because of how he failed to be a good older brother his younger brother dies horrifically and he feels this immense guilt over it. And the scene, the way it plays out is after the older brothers realize what's happened, he just goes to his bedroom, lays in bed, and tries to fall asleep like it's hopefully it's just a bad dream. And then the next morning, you hear the screams of the mom as she finds the, her son dead. And it, it's and the scream, like the, you don't hear the screams. It's just like, you know, there's no audio, but you know what's happening. Yeah. And, uh, and that, there's nothing supernatural about it there's nothing like you know whatever slasher flick whatever it just played straight well how would you react if you found your child dead mm-hmm. and you know like Ooh. that is horror no no no, no, that, no, no. that is horror yeah. it's yeah. it's exploring the aftermath of that too how does that family survive beyond that you know how who, do they blame each other do they is there the guilt is it impossible to forgive and then the movie kind of goes in a different direction where it becomes more, you know, classically horror movie. But the first half of the movie is just, it's that. And, and I will never watch that again. I don't want to watch it again. But I, I feel like, in a way, like Stephen King can't write about that. That doesn't click any of the boxes of like, well, see, well, I feel yeah. better about my life now that my kids aren't dead. That what? Was, that, like, was that's a, that was a part of the spectrum we were starting to talk about, which is not so much... I mean, it is horror. It is horror, and it is scary, but it's also disturbing. Yeah. Like, there's there's more... It's a deeper level. Yeah. And it, it triggers a memory that I... Because it, it's about time in life that you saw it, right? You yeah. saw that movie since you've become a father. Yes. So it's not... That's your. That's a deep, dark fear. Like, that's a... That's a phobic point. A phobic point. Phobic exactly. point. Those um, yeah. I saw my very first Christopher Nolan movie when I was engaged, and it was Memento. Has everyone seen Memento? Yeah, yeah. it's the one with the, okay. that the, dude. the scene that horrified me was the scene <laughs> where he's recounting the story of the person that also had this disease and how the wife didn't believe him. Mm. And so she kept asking him to administer her insulin for like she kept she was playing chicken with him because she didn't believe he was really short-term memory loss. Mm. So she kept asking him to administer her insulin and he kept lovingly gently administering mm. insulin until it put her in a, a coma and killed her. Wow. And I was like, that to me, like, it's the, it's the exact opposite of what you were saying, like gross negligence or... Yeah. Uh, but like loving and tender care, killing the person that and you have no idea that you're doing it. Yeah. That, w- that was like, that was, mm. to, as someone that found the woman I love and was looking forward to a life with her, like, I could not... I've never seen that movie since. You've, you've just sparked a memory in me. This this might qualify for a horrifying movie that is not a horror movie in any single way. And it's a movie that came out uh, maybe eight years ago called Amour. It was, I believe, a French film. But the entire... Have you seen... The, the, the entire movie is basically... It's an elderly couple. And it is the gentle... You know, the, the husband taking care of his wife who is deteriorating more and more and more. And just showing how loving he is, and it's drawn out. You know, the whole movie is kind of this is like a tender scene. It's like the, it's like the, the you know, the first ten minutes of Up. You know, just oh. watching this like oh. elderly couple, 
And and you can feel the weight. And I'm going to spoil this movie too. But you can feel the weight on his shoulders, and just how much as an old like he's not built. He's an old man too, but how much he has to care for her every day is the burden it is. Till the final scene in the movie, he smothers her with a pillow, mm. and then the movie's over. And it's this horrifying like wow that entire time, he's doing all these acts of love, and in reality he just wants he. You know, in a loving way, he wants to put her out of her misery, but he also wants to put himself out of his misery. And that one completely... I, I went into that thinking, and I was... Like, I think I went with a girl that I was trying to impress. So, like, oh, I'll watch this romantic <laughs> French film Let's with Let's go you. watch the love movie. Wee. Yeah, it's like, hey, maybe this will be us later. Oh, wait, wait, no, no, not that far, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's... Um, the, it's uh, a friend of mine said one time he that he doesn't watch horror films because uh, life is horrific enough. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds and like a fun guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All your friends with Werner Herzog? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that so is when direct, I stopped the, watching the horror movies. The writer of that movie, Midsummer and Hereditary, is uh, uh, Lars Knudsen, I think is his name. Sounds about right. And he also did The Witch, which was ah, creepy yes. as hell. Great movie. Yeah. And that's yeah. another one, because we're, we're, Matt and I were talking about this show we're watching called Chapel Wait, which is uh, based on... Very loosely, loosely based, based on Jerusalem's Lot, uh, Stephen King's short story. Though it's not to be confused with Salem's Lot, and uh, and it's and it's creepy, and it's um, like that American Gothic set in the 1800s, mm-hmm. and that just just the setting itself yeah. is that's it. That's all you need, you know. You know, yeah. and you have a good story that goes along with. Well, it. you know, he's got another vampire story coming out, and it's about the avarice and the greed and the consumerism consumerism in yeah. our culture today. It's called Big Lots. <laughs> But really? <laughs> oh, man. Well, on that note... Uh, <laughs> no, wait. No, that that no pull up, pull up, pull up. <laughs> something after a more. Okay, Come on. so I'm not going to lie. I think I, there's a, a type of movie that I think I vastly prefer to what we're describing. Like, like you guys are basically making a long-ass list of movies I never want to see. Right? <laughs> but there are movies that I love that make me feel that tension, that make me yeah. stressed, right? Like that that last scene in, in Silence of the Lambs. And and I'm thinking of, like, Duel. Have you ever seen it? It's like one of the yeah. very first Steven Spielberg movies. It's like a... It's, it's not long. It's maybe an hour and 15 minutes or so. It's just a long chase scene. This guy uh, cuts off a semi mm. at the beginning of the movie and then the whole movie is this semi like running down this guy but it's like it's always there in his rear view mirror. It's just like it's tense and, and, and I love Spielberg. I have no, no qualms about it but like Jaws, right? Like that, there's tension in Jaws. I, like that's the kind of stuff that I really like and, and so I don't know that it qualifies for horror but I love that feeling of just like you know this has to end, and how is it going to end? Or is the good guy going to make it, right? And, um, you know, like Hitchcock, right? Like, he's so good at suspense, right? Like, um, I, I recently rewatched uh, Vertigo, right? Vertigo is a brilliant movie, absolutely brilliant. Um, and there's just so much tension in it. Or even uh, another movie I watched with so much tension, it's, it's not horror at all. It's a Woody Allen movie, but Match Point. Right, mm. Matchpoint is a a beautiful picture of tension. Right, like they even, you know, there's even visual um, cues to it. With like the tennis net is stretched so tight, and and it 
you know, the, does the ball gonna bounce this way or that way? Like the opening scene plays out later in the movie and stuff. And, and like, I love that kind of stuff. But man, like when it comes to like for all the same reasons you're saying, it's just like I have no interest in being scared and, and death and well, horror and that. Yeah, sense. but to bring it back around, what I love, I love vampire stuff and werewolf stuff and monster stuff with a really good lore. Like I want I I want to explore right. why does that thing exist? Can we beat it? Yeah. Like that that's very entertaining to me. Like and I I, w- I want a good reason why that thing exists. Yeah. Right? Like what what made the first vampire? What made the first yeah. werewolf? So I and that is just entertainment to me. Like that's there's nothing I don't have any wisdom to indi- or to to shed light on that, but like that's that's what I really really enjoy. Yeah, I like the kind of like the classic, mo- I, and I love the um, the varied lores on the different like you know the, you know which what rules are the movie going to follow? Right, right, because there's a handful of rules. Oh man, you know what I love? I love 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 the Lost Boys. I'm that is. Oh man! You know I didn't like that movie. I love that movie. It's a great yeah, vampire song. That's one of the best songs in any movie. It's like, what is it? You shall. Thou shall not fall. fall. Yeah. yeah. So there's a there's a great scene. There's a there's a really weird movie where or scene in the movie where they're at a carnival and there's a guy wearing like he's built as all it's just on the screen for just a couple seconds he's jacked as all get out no shirt oiled up he's wearing like heavy gauge chain around him like just hanging off of him and he's playing the saxophone he's just the music act at the carnival that the so vampires 80s. are hanging at it's so 80s yeah. he will send you a message on cameo he is on cameo <laughs> and I, <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> that guy, I'm like, I don't even know that guy's name. He's on cameo. Of course. I'm like, wait a milk it, man. It's been what, like a hundred years? I think he might he actually might be a vampire. <laughs> so I, I also like the lore, right? And I, I appreciate the rules that they have to follow. And I think one of my favorite monster movies, and this speaks a lot to kind of my sensibility, I guess, is what we do in the shadows. Oh, it's, <laughs> right? I just so watched good. it last like, night again. Like oh, the so lore in that yeah. is phenomenal, yeah. right? It's a oh, vampire it's so movie. Funny. But it's a comedy. In every sense, it's a comedy. And it's his Hysterical. The but, the yeah. scenes. Well, werewolves, not swearwolves. <laughs> the scenes with Peter, the Nosferatu-looking yes. vampire, who, by the way, looks like the vampire from Salem's Lot, Toby Hooper's <laughs> Salem's Lot, where they're just having conversations with him, and he's just standing there. <laughs> We just lost our friend to a horrific sunlight accident. Leave us alone. But his his just he's just standing with these fangs and they're just they're having like normal conversation with him because he's one of their flatmates. Oh my god, that was so funny. The, the, beauty, yeah. the beauty of that is the same beauty of Doctor Evil mm. in the Austin Power. Like yeah. you have you have the arch villain that's completely inept. Yeah. You have these incredibly dark, scary creatures that are like just trying to survive as roommates. Uh, I think. Brilliant. Also Brilliant. speaking to that kind of. Like uh, subversive kind of bent, I guess. Yeah. Is the the horror movies that were the most popular when I was at the age when I could tell my parents I was going to go see a PG thirteen movie and go see an R movie was it was like thirty S- Scream. Oh. Right. So Scream, Scream is Scream was a great film. Scream is a great movie. I, I wrote a paper about it in college. It's it's a genre called reaffirmation parody. Right. So it is at the same time a parody of horror movies, but it's also just making fun of horror movies and so that that's a great like that speaks to me so clearly right because it's like we're gonna we're gonna make fun of and point out and hang a lantern on every trope of the genre while also living out this genre and it's it's great because that movie follows the rules so that's so that's that's uh i didn't understand that that's that's uh community so 
There's uh, cheese. George Romero, and this is a Miami tie-in, kind of. <laughs> uh, George George Romero uh, came out with uh, Night of the Living Dead in the late '60s. I'm not going to give the date because the one nerd who's listening to the show is going to send me some. He's also the one person listening to the someone show, who's so a friend nice. who's going to be texting me saying you got the date wrong. <laughs> uh, but his late '60s, George Romero did Night of the Living Dead, and then he he had he came out with uh, uh, Dawn of the Dead, which was amazing, and Day of the Dead, and he did a couple more after that that were okay. Brunch of the Dead. Was Dawn of the favorite. Dead was 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 fantastic. Uh, Night of the Living Dead was was is iconic. Well, years later, fast forward to the 2000s, sometime in the 2000s, probably two, late 2000s. No, um, 2010, 2011. Um, Juan of the Juan de los Muertos. Yes, Juan of the Dead. Juan of the Dead is comes out in Cuba. And it's it's a zombie movie about what happens if there's a zombie apocalypse in Havana, and there's this guy named Huang who's this ne'er do well, just kind of slacker, doesn't have a job because nobody really does have a job unless they're in tourism, and he 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 sets up his own business for zombie extermination. And if you have a problem with zombies, you contact yeah. Huang, and he'll take care of them for you. It's like part Ghostbusters. <laughs> yeah. And there's and there's all of this. It's it's just that was like I love the fact that in Cuba of all places, which is cut off, especially you know still back then, uh, from the rest of the world, there was a filmmaker who said, "I'm going to make a film as as an homage to George Romero, and what he started." Back in the late '60s, because it impacted this guy so much. Well, that, oh, so that's how we have to talk about Shaun of the Dead. No, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, we do. We Good do. night, everybody. <laughs> no, of course. Uh, is, is Simon. Oh, what's his name? Simon Pegg Simon and Pegg, Nick yes. Frost. Nick yes. Frost. I, I love. Their, I love. Shaun I love of the their. Dead. I mean, oh, I'm just gonna say, I love their trilogy of homage flicks that the they Cornetto did. Trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I want to say about that. <laughs> That's all so Juan de los Muertos, if you can watch it, it's a fun movie. It's silly. It's very political, right? Because uh, it, it won't it, scar it, you it's like very more. Po- very po- and they they had to stay within the lines. Yeah. Um, but also tonally, very like yeah, off tonally. Like there, it's the kind of thing where one minute is charming and the next minute is like, oh my goodness, they actually did that. Like it, yeah. it's very unnerving. In and that you way. know why they were allowed to make that in Cuba, right? Why is that? Well. Castro had been dead for 15 years when that came out. He was a zombie. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he, was, he, was, he thought it was very, he thought it was very pro-revolution. He was. He, it's a joke, Victor. Oh. <laughs> I love jokes you um, need to explain. Well, yeah. Actually, Castro died in 2016. I think it's 2016. I hope nobody actually leaves me on that. <laughs> I think it was 2016. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, well, um, we did, the, we did, one we, of the lines from one of the lines from Juan de los Muertos, and we'll end with this, and I'll say it in English. He says. By the way, Huang says at the end, he says, I'm going to Miami. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>